Um, great to have you all here. You are headed for growth, not for growth's sake, but for a harvest. So God's given you, it's almost like King Gamea and Queen Ray. And they're going to lead you into a future because God has given you this place so that you can embrace more people who need to know Jesus. And this is a very, very difficult time of year. Uh, a lot of people like policemen, paramedics, fire captains, and ministers are heavily on call because most divorces, most suicides, and most counseling and interventions happen during this time of year. So very glad that you're here because you become part of God's force of love that can heal the community around you. So thank you very much for being here and honoring the Lord in the season of his birth. Well, without any further ado, I want to get into the word and then you can get ready for Logan. But before, before we move on, I must introduce you to Logan Taylor so that you all know who he is. So Logan, why don't you stand and just do a 360. Yeah. He's actually a Samoan without a tan. And then we have his beautiful bride, Teresa. All right, Teresa, why don't you stand? She, they've been together for seven years. Okay, Teresa, thank you for being here. And of course, we have Vader right there, but we can't swing him around. And Kobe, their two-year-old, is now wrecking the children's ministry as we speak. So we got the family here, but we're going to get the word, and then we're going to unwrap what we're about to say today. All of us know what it's like to have parts of our lives bound up. And I got to tell you, in the last two and a half years of this pandemic, I've done more funerals and more interventions that I would like to see. I've seen dear friends uh, go to meet Jesus way, way too early. And sometimes it can feel like our whole life has been wrapped up in adversity. But through the raising of a, of a friend who passed, Jesus teaches us what can happen if we choose to believe in him. So we're in John chapter 11. Jesus is on the path to an impending crucifixion. Because remember, remember, Jesus came and was born, but he, he, he was born to die. And only in his death does he become the sacrifice for our sin. So Jesus is approaching the moment for which he was born to become that sacrifice. And scripture says here, beginning in verse 38, Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha. The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And that was a covering to the cave. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus! I was waiting to say that. Okay. Lazarus! Come out. Because the Bible says with a loud voice. And I just wanted to portray how Jesus might have cried out because he didn't have this sound system. It was a huge crowd. 
and he cried out, Lazarus, come out. I don't mean to sound like Dracula to you. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips. Picture that. Man in, man who's wrapped up. I don't know how he came up. If he was still bound, he must have been hopping. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Okay, that's problematic right there. His face was still wrapped. See, a lot of movies portray him walking out of the cave where they're not looking at the Word of God. He was wrapped up and his face was covered. So I would say like an Easter bunny, maybe he was walking out. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So he had not been let go yet. He needed to be unwrapped. Three things we want to talk about here this morning. Insurmountable odds often become a backdrop for the glory of God. Insurmountable odds. An insurmountable worldwide pandemic has only been a stage for the unwrapping of the glory of God. And he wants to do it through you and I, not just through Wade and Ray. And all of us are called to be the reflectors of his insurmountable glory. Lazarus was very dead. Say very dead. Four days. Another, another, scripture, another version of the Bible says, he stinketh. He stinked. The bugger was haunas, all right? He was stink. Four days and he was dead with rigor mortis. You know what that is? Being very stiff. Lazarus was in a dark tomb with a foul odor. And Jesus had to command Lazarus by name because if he said, come forth, then everybody would arose from the dead. He had to specifically say, Lazarus, come forth. Here's the second thing. Believing in Jesus restores and unwraps lives that are bound up. Believing. This is a key word today. Believing, right? Look at the text. Here in verse 40, Jesus said here, did I, did I not tell you that if you believe, say if you believe, if you believe, you would see the glory of God. So Jesus cites this condition. If you believe, if you do this, then I will do that. When we, want to pro when we want to claim the promises of God, we have to understand that most of the promises of God have a preceding premise. And we fulfill the premise, and God fulfills His promise. He's not just a good grandpa up there like a genie in a ramp that we, we, we just rub Him every time we have a need. He gives us the guarantee of His promise, but it's preceded by a premise. Now, watch this. We go back to the verses in the text. He said, didn't he say, believe, whoever believes in me shall never die. And he asks Martha the question, do you believe this? And there's a pause. Do you believe this? Do you believe? Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. So here's what's interesting. Jesus was going after her belief in who he was, not necessarily her belief in what he could do. It's his person. He was the Messiah. He would be the Savior of the world, our, the Redeemer. But Scripture says without faith, you cannot please God. He was going, he was foraging into her soul for the cultivation in the soil of her soul that that measure of faith that all of us are born with would germinate. And it was. And she could have said, you're awesome. You raised Lazarus from the dead. She said, no, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is what Jesus was after. 
So Martha expressed her belief and faith in Jesus in the midst of pain, disappointment, frustration, devastation, and loss. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead. A lot of people say, well, if God makes it all better first, I'll believe. But you know, the kind of faith that God looks for is the kind of faith that declares, I choose to believe in the midst of my pain, disappointment, and devastation. This is what, and this moved the heart of God. She first believed in who he was, then Jesus did, unleashed what he could do. And so when she says, I believe, he says, Lazarus! That's what you get. See, when you put the kids in the middle, I used to be a school teacher just like you, and about 10 minutes into the message, they start having manifestations, and it ain't the Holy Spirit. All right, they start nodding off. So, hey, Stay awake or else there'll be more yelling in the house. Remember, I didn't go to the upper campus. I went to the lower campus where yelling was normal. All right? Because we was always under the power at the lower campus. And it wasn't because of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It was because of other kind of spirits. All right. Now, here's our final thought today before we call Logan up. Aren't you happy? Some of you are really happy. You guys are really happy. <laughs> Pastor Paul already. Okay. So there is something God does and there is something we do. See that? Premise, promise, faith, God moves. So there, here's the lesson. There is something God does and there is something we do. Let's go back to verses 38, 39. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Jesus didn't take away the stone. He said, you take away the... You know what? I better not yell anymore. I forgot about Vader. Yeah? I know, Logan, you yell a lot, right? Yeah. No, I, I saw, anyway, because that's what he does. He fires up the football team. Okay, I'm so sorry. If my wife were here, she would be crucifying me right now. <laughs> I feel so bad about that, champ. I, I do. So, take away the stone. You take away the stone. So there's stuff we do. Right? In the unwrapping process. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with limb strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind them and let them go. You know what I would have said? Dirty. It stinks. A lot of bacteria on that linen. Man. Anybody got hand sanitizer? Right? You think about it. He says, There's, I, I gave the power. Now you remove the stone and you unwrap him. So there's this partnership for the glory of God to emerge around us and through us. So the disciples had to, in removing the stone and, and burial wrapping, they removed the obstacle that unwrapped the miracle. And a lot of times, we just lean on the sovereignty of God, but we say, God's going to do it all. God says, well, I've given you the power, but also I'm giving you the responsibility for my power to be expressed through you. And some of us may be here, we may be stuck, because God has already given the power, and we believe that, but God is saying, there's something I want you to do. There's a stone you need to remove, and there's some linen that looks a little dirty. You've got to get into people's lives for them to be unwrapped, for the glory of God to be seen, because God has created all of us for His glory to shine through. Can I hear an amen in the house? Amen, amen. How about amen from the youth right there? Okay, that's good, because I don't want to scream again. So, when we help people process their pain, we remove obstacles, unwrap their miracle. And here's what we do. I think all of us in this season, we've had it done with us. We want to stay connected relationally with people because the pandemic caused us to be isolated. 
One of the hardest things Logan had to place here was two years of the pandemic. Stay away from your teammates, stay away from the weight room, go there, work out by yourself. How Todd Graham did all of that, and I know we all have opinions about Todd, okay? But I will tell you the inside story. Everything you've heard about him on the outside is not true. We love everybody. I know as the West Side people, listen, all the brotherhood. There's something that we need to understand that connection and isolation and leading people through that is very difficult. Very difficult. And so in this season, God's called us to be with people. And just being with them matters. And here's what I do. All my Christian life, 48 years, I would ask people, tell me your story. Because everybody has a story. And invariably, when they tell me the story, I would say 60% of the time they begin to weep. I was just with someone the other day. It was a University of Hawaii football coach. And midway through our tell me your story moment, the tears began to flow. Because there's an immense amount of pressure that people go through that they mask by trying to sing joy to the world. And then they get into their car and they're singing a different song. Because there's a performance that masks the reality. And when you're with people and they feel safe to share their story, guess what? You want right there to pray for them. That's our responsibility. The Holy Spirit then touches them. The stone is removed and the linen wraps, the wraps that have constrained their life, begin to come off one strand at a time. God's not going to do that. He'll, by himself, he'll do that through us. Al Apodaca was one of our founding members in our church. He's done it for all these years. And look at him, wearing his University of Hawaii Brotherhood jersey. I tell you, if, if a guy as old as me can be as young as that, you know he's been in the unwrapping business. Well, I want to show you a picture. I don't know if we have it of Bobby Curran. And I, want to, I told Bobby, I was talking with Bobby Curran. Cur, Bobby Curran for 30 years has been the voice of University of Hawaii Rainbow Sports. Almost all the sports. We become friends. And he just had, I see you know, I having lunch at Murphy's before, he had his double lung transplant surgery, but he needed a couple miracles. First miracle, they needed to find a donor within a window of time. He had to fly to Arizona for the process, and he called me and he said, Norm, we... They've, it's a miracle. In a short period of time, they found a donor. You have to understand that if, if I don't get operated on soon, I will die. And then the, the operation had to be a success. There couldn't be the rejection of the organ. And so far, so good. Uh, we communicated yesterday, and he said, but I do know, despite what all the doctors say, this is in the, in the hands of God. It's in his sovereignty. Now, Bobby's a seeker. But what happened was, he was invited to church, Pearlside Church, and the first time he sat in, he lifted both hands, and the presence of the Lord touched him. Jesus revealed himself to Bobby Curran. And right now, in the midst of his pain, you know what he told me? I believe. Everybody can say, I believe, when it's all going good. What about if you're facing death? Can you say, I believe, because Martha saw the death of Lazarus? And Logan Taylor, 
was on a spiral path downward to die in his teenage years. But before we bring him up, bring him up let's lighten this up because some of you are looking very morose right now. And let's look at who Logan Taylor is on the field of play before we look at him on the field of mission. Take a look. Why are you taping your fingers up? All we're going to do is walk through. He goes, I'm full speed. I'm full speed every day. You got to, you know, take that kid off, making tackles on Friday, hitting people. And the dude is just a different cat, right? If you want to learn how to play football, practice football, and have the right attitude, that dude's off the charts on the intangibles. He didn't start, and he's been here. You know, he's been through the coaching change. He sat on that sideline. He waited his turn, and not only did he came come in, he came in like, <laughs> you know, I mean, DMX. In the, the album when he was covered in red, DMX, old school. Like, this dude plays the way you want your linebackers to play, the way you want your players to play. But I'm going most inspirational award to Logan Taylor, and I'd name him captain right now moving forward for the next year's team because this guy is everything you want your team to embody. Isaiah Tufunga got hurt middle of the season, and people went, oh, no. You know what I said? I turned to people and said, watch this. And, and Logan Taylor is, has became one of the top tacklers in all of college football just by playing half the season. Will you stand to your feet and welcome one of the, lead, the leaders of the brotherhood, Logan Taylor, linebacker, University of Hawaii, Rainbow Warriors. Appreciate you passing on. Hey, man. Man, I just want to say, you know, it's a blessing to be here, and I'm uh, very honored to be able to um, share my story with you guys today. So, appreciate you guys so much. Rough past. I, let's start there. I mean, you were born, and let's begin there. Mm. Never met your father until yeah. very recently. Why? Why? I mean, tell us about your dad's past, and then get into your past. Okay. So, um... You know, to start when I was born, I was um, about one years old when um, my father had went to prison. And, um, you know, he had been there for uh, my whole life. And, um, you know, just recently, it's crazy. It's, it's been a, a real God, um, a real God season. You know, this year, you know, I was able to meet him at, at the Fresno game. He got out like a month ago. So, you know, that's just one of the blessings that um, has occurred this year. And, uh, you know, first time meeting him, it was kind of awkward. You know, I forgave him a long time ago. We didn't talk on the phone, but, um, you know, meeting him for the first time was just a, um, it was a blessing. And, uh, you know, that was just one of the blessings. I had so many blessings this year. Um, my boy Vader was born. Um, you know, God blessed me on the field, off the field, becoming the leader that I am today. But, uh, yeah, so, so to start with my story, um, like I said, father uh, went to prison early. You know, I grew up, me and my two brothers, mom had to uh, raise us on her own. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, she, she grew us up in uh, going to church. We went to a, a private Christian sh uh, school through elementary. You know, you know, I lived in a, a rough uh, neighborhood, but, um, you know, my mom worked two jobs. So it was always food on the table. I didn't have to struggle financially. Um, but, you know, she was usually at work most of the time. So. As, as we growing up, middle school was kind of like in a box. You know, we didn't really, uh, well, me personally didn't like see the world, 
you know, I was just going to school, uh, learning about God and everything. But, um, you know, I knew who God was, never had a relationship with him. But, um, you know, once I got to middle school, uh, it was like I got out of the box and it was like seeing the, uh, the real world for the first time. So, you know, uh, it was like I never noticed, never experienced nothing. So I was just going all in, you know, with whatever was uh, available at the time. So you like as a young age, start from like seventh grade, got into smoking weed, got into um, drinking, like just doing whatever the, you know, whatever the world says makes you happy, you know, from a young age. And, um, you know, that continued on through the years, um, ended up getting kicked out of like a middle school, ended up going to high school, um, you know, still acting a fool, getting into fights all the time. Uh, I got kicked out my freshman year for selling drugs. Um, you know, it was just a, a, it was a downhill cycle from, you know, growing up, just being outside all the time, hanging out with a, uh, with a rough crowd, you know, doing things I shouldn't be doing. Um, so like I said, I got kicked out freshman year, um, ended up going to my home school in Narbonne. It's, it's, it's in a, uh, yeah. you know, a rougher neighborhood, but, um, you know, you would think I learned a lesson, you know, putting my mom through all of that. Like, it was such a hard time. My mom was cl- clueless because, you know, I'm, I'm, she's gone all the time, to working two jobs, trying to uh, provide for me and my brothers. But I'm living a life that she don't know nothing about. And uh, so for that to hit her, it was like real, real hard on her. Um, but, you know, you would think that would have changed me, but I was just I was too much. So, you know, that didn't change nothing. I went to this next school, you know doing the same thing, fighting every day, like smoking weed was straight addicted, had to do it every day. It was like, you know, it was, I was hooked on it. Um, you know, just doing things of the world, you know, and, uh, you know, that carried on as I got older too. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just by the grace of God that I didn't, you know, end up in jail or, or in prison or, or, you know, dead for the things that we were doing. But, um, you know, that continued on through college. I went to college uh, doing the same things, getting in trouble with the law, um, you know, just just doing all, like I said, doing all the things that the world makes you happy. But, you know, and it's, it's fun for a season, but, you know, those things start catching up to you. And I uh, ended up getting booted out of that school. Um, you got booted out of a lot of schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, so, man, so, and then I ended up coming back home, uh, Playing junior college, had a good season. Junior college, that's when I, uh, that's when I started getting uh, recruited by Hawaii. But like I said, God's plan is crazy because, like a month before I got recruited from Hawaii, I had ended up actually getting arrested. And um, you know, it's cra- I don't even the, the coach is watching this probably the first time knowing this now. But um, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, I had got arrested. What's all that I was, it was it was crazy that. You know, it was just by, like I said, the grace of God that, you know, it just, nobody knew about it, I guess. And, you know, they still recruited me. And, uh, man, like, now that I look back at it, I'm like, oh, bro, that's God. Because, you know, I could have definitely had, like, you know, I was really seeing in real time, like, man, I'm, like, following my dad, my father's footsteps. And, you know, but, like, God had a plan for me. And, and here's an interjection, yeah. Logan. Todd Graham turned to me, I... And he said, you see that kid over there? He's me. I grew up without my father. And we're recruiting him almost just to keep him out of trouble and give him a place where he can grow. And that's, that's what Todd did. And he said, this is the redemption project. At that yeah. point, he didn't know Jesus yet. Continue. No, no yeah. So, um, like I said, I, uh, 
I knew who Jesus was, never had a relationship with him, relationship with him, but um, you know, my mom like totally tried to instill that on me and I so I knew kind of who he was, but um never had a relationship. But I, I finally came to Hawaii and um, you know, nothing changed. I was acting a fool out here, I got in trouble with the coaches smoking weed, did like all type of stuff, like, you know, like fighting still, um, you know. So going through all that, you know, I was going through a real tough time because um my my son Kobe that's in the uh nursery, I wasn't able to um see him for his first year of being born because my apartment situation was kind of uh messed up and uh you know, so I was going through that, you know, I was going through injuries, uh, you know, not playing, coming from balling, JUCO, coming here and not even seeing the field at all. Um, you know, I was going through like uh, stuff back home, but it was a lot of stuff on my shoulders, and um, you know, I was it was really leaning on me heavy. Where I was thinking, like, should it, like talking to my parents, like, should I keep playing? Like, like I just want to go back home. Like, this is too much, you know. Um, and it was all weighing on my shoulders. And you know, my coach Santa Cruz at the time, I knew him because I had did a um, a camp with uh, FCA back when I was um, back home. So we knew each other, and I knew that. Um, I could talk to him, I could like vent to him. So um, I had actually just called him up one day and I was just venting like, man, like so-and-so not messing with me, man. He's mad, like I'm, I'm going through it. I don't know what, like, like I'm trying to, I don't know what to do, honestly. Like it's too much, I might just go home. And like, it's funny cause he didn't even say, he just listened to me vent this whole time. I'm like, oh, so frustrated. And he's just, first question he asked me is like, like Logan, you do you want to give your life back to God? I'm like. I'm just like, wait, did you not hear what I was just saying? But no, but, uh, but like, it just, and like, it just something flipped in my head. I'm like, like, man, I've been trying to do this on my own. Like, it's obviously I cannot do it on my own. And like, I didn't know what I was getting into. Like what I was, I was just like, yeah, I was just like, yeah. And, uh, so he, so he led me into prayer and that was just, that was just a God moment. Cause I didn't, wasn't looking for God calling him. I wasn't look, I was just trying to vent like, trying to, you know, look for other means to help my, my mind and all the stuff that was on my shoulders. But um, he just said, man, do you want to give your life back to God? And, like, I was like, yeah, like, I, I got to try. Well, at this point, I got to try something else, not knowing what was in store for me. But I just, it was at that moment that, you know, the whole year into uh, being here that I decided, you know, I'm going to give my life back to God. So all your life, see, the seed was that you knew about God, right? Yeah. I mean, Christmas time, everybody says, yeah, I know Jesus. What mm. they're really saying is, I know about Jesus, and you want to get into the season. Mm. But this was a death season for you. You came to the end of yourself. So what, how did you go from about God to knowing God? Um, there was a specific moment, you know, yeah. we were talking about that. So... I think it was a day after I accepted God, you know, to me, like, it was just, you know, I'm giving my life back to God, not really knowing what that entails, you know, I was just like, well, I need something else, like, <laughs> like, God, like, like, I'm giving it to you, like, but not really knowing anything, you know, but, um, so I think it was the next day I had, um, got a call from my apartment, and like, like I said, I didn't have apartment issues, like, I didn't got into it with them, like, so I'm already not on, like, the edge with the apartment people, they want like they're trying to charge me to see my family overnight. Like it was a whole bunch of stuff going on. But I get a call from them and they're like, like, hey Logan, yeah, um, we're just calling you about that um like a thousand dollar payment like you still haven't got to us. I'm like, 
Like, what are you talking about? I just paid rent. And they're like, no, like, see, when you came in July, like, you came a week, a week before the the uh, the lease, and you know, we're like, we gonna need a thousand for that. So I'm like, but you, like, you gonna need a thousand dollars for a week that I came early, and like, I'm just coming to what the coaches they told me to come on this day. I came, they set me up with the apartment, all that. So I'm like, hold on, like, this is coming out of my pocket. You know, the reason I left Southern Utah where I was, I didn't like it there. That was where I went my freshman year, but. It was like because I couldn't pay rent and I would have to ask my family for money. And, you know, I hated doing that because my mom's already working two jobs, still got another boy back home that he that she's trying to take care of. And, uh, you know, so that hurt my heart. And like hearing that, I'm like, wait, so I got to call my mom again. I ended up calling my coach, cussing him out like, bro, why you made me come a week early? Like, like, what are you doing? And and he's like, bro, bro, bro. We, I hang up on him, call my mom like, like tripping, like, mom, like they, they talking about I got to pay it. Like, what, like, man, what's going on? Like I'm, like, I'm so mad. I'm, like, so angry. And my mom told me something, like, I'll never forget. She was like, like, son, like, you, ju- you just gave your life back to God. Like, the devil, wasn't, the devil wasn't worried about you before. You was living for him. You just gave your life back to God. Like, he's worried about you now. Like, he, he's trying to, you know, get you off course. She's like, go inside and pray. She's like, go inside and pray. <laughs> and I was just like, man, because, like, I was mad at the time so I went I went in the house and I just started praying like not even knowing how to pray really just like God I need you why is this happening God like shut like please help me I can't like I don't know what to do like I started crying because it was like real emotional for me at the time and I was just crying out to God and not even maybe I say like a maybe a couple hours later I had received a no caller ID I didn't answer the first one I, I get it they call me again I'm like oh, I'm just gonna answer it I pick up the phone, and it was um, someone from my junior college. They're like, hey, Logan, this is so-and-so. Uh, one of the um, the donors was like, loved what you was about when you were at JUCO, and uh, they wanted to uh, give you a scholarship for $1,000. I'm like, well, like, what, like, what are you talking about? And he was like, bro, go check your email. And I go check my email, and it's the, the dollar amount that I needed from God. And, like, he has showed up. That's a, that's a miracle to me. And... Um, you know, and I didn't even think I could accept it with compliance and all that being on scholarship. Ended up calling my dude. And he was like, yeah, actually, it's not going to mess with your, your checks or nothing. You're going to be able to accept it. And, like, I've never heard of that. Usually you can't do stuff like that. Like, you got to just, you know, usually can't accept outside money. But for some reason, like, you know, God wasn't going to be denied, you know. And uh, so that was a miracle to me. And from that day forward, I was like, okay, so I can't deny you no more, God. Like, you real. Like, you, like, you showed up and, like. From that day forward, it was just it, it was just an uphill. You know, I started going to to uh, life groups, Bible studies with uh, Pastor Greg at Grace uh, Honolulu. But um, man, what gosh, what what Pastor Greg did in my life, all the all the wisdom and all the um, just all the help, everything I needed. He didn't been there the whole way, and that that Bible study, me and my boys from the team, uh, you know. That really, that's really what changed my life, being able to dive in the word, have other boys around me that support it, that, that, are, that are on the same path. You know, my wife being on the same path with me is what just kept me on an uphill battle. And I'm, and I'm seeing things like how God's working in my life, all the different ways, and I can't deny him no more. And now I'm just, you know, that, that feeling when you, once you get when, when he shows up is something like unreal. And, and, you know, from there on, it's like you, you start looking, you start you're grateful for the trials because, you know, you just get to see God work now. And, like, you you like, oh, shoot, 
You know, he done been faithful before, now it's another trial. You're like, all right, well, can't see how he shows up. Can't wait to see how he shows up this time. And, uh, you know, so just just seeing God, realizing he's real, that he that he loves me, you know, that's what really started my whole uh, faith, like trying to okay. uh, bring others to so Christ. So, Logan, you're walking with the Lord. Yeah. You got the bros coming. He's reaching out. He, he shares the gospel with anything that moves on the football field, literally fearless. And so the mission field side uh, begins. But then Isaiah Tufanga gets hurt. Like I said, everybody went, uh-oh. I said, no, watch this. You get in there, but tell us the secret of how you prepare when you got into the game after waiting for years to get your shot. Man, so, man, it was, um, you know, for throughout the whole year, I was, you know, I, ha- I had my role and I was cool with it. It was just being the spiritual leader and, uh, you know, doing whatever I got to do on special teams and, uh, you know, but every day, like, I prepare because, you know, before I used to be, like, with the Fellowship of the Miserable before, kind of like, man, like, I ain't playing, you know, like, you know, so, like, whatever. But, uh, you know, this year it was like God really been working in my life. And so, you know, my thing with this whole year was like, I ain't going to let nothing steal my joy. So even when I wasn't playing, you know, I was really preparing to if I had to play. But, um, you know, Isaiah, my brother got hurt and, um, you know, I had to step in and, uh, you know, I had my first, so I did my thing that game. It was, it was, it was cool. Um, but then the next week it was my first start of my my college career, really. And um, you know, I was nervous. I didn't know. You know, I'm like, okay, it's my t- it's it's my turn. But like, you know, I'm nervous. I'm not knowing what to do. But you know, in that moment, I knew that. First of all, I knew God had a plan for me. So I know I know this is His plan. This is His everything that's going on. But the week leading up, actually, Pastor Norman came into our Bible study and um, he shared with us a message about um, not uh, not limiting God's power, you know. And, uh, you know, sometimes we get to limiting God's power. We get to going like, hey, God, like, you know, help me to know my plays and uh, just help me to do um, help me to uh, not mess up or help me to just, you know. To, to yeah, like I said, just just limit. Like, oh God, help me know my plays, not mess up. You know, just uh, help me to do okay out there. But you know, that message really hit home, and I linked on it the whole year. Is like, I'm not gonna limit God's powers. Like, He can calm the seas, He can move the mountains. Um, so that that whole week, I just, I just God, like I'm not gonna limit your powers. I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna trust you in it. And also, I linked on the the verse like in First James or in James one. Where it's like those who doubt, like they should expect nothing, you know. <laughs> and so that was it. I was like, God, I'm not gonna limit your powers, God. You could do the unimaginable. You could do the things that I could that I could not imagine, God. And I trust and I believe that, and I will not waver off my faith that I believe that you could do anything. And I would go in my shower, on the road in the hotel, and uh, like if that was my moment. I would I would get in there, turn the shower on, put some background music on or something. And I just get to crying out to God, like, God, I need you. Like, I literally cannot do this on my own. I know I can't do it on my own. I need you. God, show up. Like, show up tomorrow. I need you, God. I cannot do this on my own. And I know you can do the unimaginable. I know you can calm the seas, move the mountains, God. Show up tomorrow. And I would just believe it. You know, you're going to go through the game, getting prepared. You start getting thoughts. Like, But the whole time, I'm like, no, no, God, I believe. I don't doubt and, you know, 
for that first game for me to do go 16 tackles, go player of the game, whatever it was, like I didn't even think I had a good game. Mind you, I'm just thinking, ah, I missed this tackle, whatever. Keep playing, like don't doubt God. Ended up getting player of the game, 16 tackles, and I'm like, God, like that's my first game, like I'm like. God, you just like that was a that's a miracle to me. I could never imagine doing something like that, you know. So, for him to do that, it was like, okay, this works. So, <laughs> so that was just my thing. I'm like, okay, I know the routine. I know I know the plan. I can't do it on my own. I'm gonna just give it to God. So every week I just gave it to God. The same thing. I, I, the whole week I'm God. I can't do it. I cannot do this. It's not me. This is you. And you know the whole the whole season I just I leaned on that, and that's what that's what it was for me. Just God, you could do the unimaginable. I believe. I won't doubt. And, uh, you know, that's just what I linked Let's on. Let's pause right here. There's so many things. So now he's been unwrapped. The power of God. But Victor Santa Cruz, Coach Victor, Pastor Greg Brennis, got into his life and became the safe people. He's now that for the team. By the way, replacing a guy with the name Isaiah, that's a lot of pressure, man. It's a major <laughs> prophet, okay? Um, and you have continued to do what the Gospel of John says, Logan. Without me, you can do nothing. So Logan's pregame prep is, oh God, in the shower, oh God, please move by your power. And how many of us, we were talking about this the other day, we just say, we pray the prayer, but we just go about, it's mostly us and a little bit of Jesus. You know, with Logan... It's all Jesus. And because he knows what it's like to be in the cave where it's dark and stink and there's rigor mortis. Hmm. And now he's been unwrapped. And using linebacker language, he's wrapping other people up (laughs) for the glory of God. Parting shot, Logan. Parting shot. Man, what, what I would say is, you know, like I said, trusting God, like, and, and truly trusting Him, it's more than just words. It, it's it's an action, trusting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's choosing to to block out the negative thoughts, choosing to believe when when times is hard, choosing to believe when times is good. Um, you know, I would say don't limit God's powers. Don't get you know, don't get to the uh, you know lackadaisical with your prayers when, hey God, I need, like I need you, like. Hey, like, show up or don't, like, whatever you, you know, <laughs> God, don't limit his power. He could do anything. The things you can't imagine he could do. And then the last thing I would say is, you know, have dreams, have goals that are so high that you, like, that you become dependent on God because you can't attain them without him. You know, have the goals that where it's, you know, I have this goal, but there's literally no way unless you are with me, God. So... You know, that's what I would give you. Just, man, have those goals. Have those dreams to where you're on your knees and you need him to accomplish them. And uh, just watch God work. It's awesome. Logan Taylor. <laughs> married, married to Mother Teresa. I just have to say that. I'm going to give this back to Pastor Wade. And I'm sure we're going to wrap this in worship. And, and Pastor Wade's going to have a real good way There's so much in this that exemplifies the text we looked at. But if you're in a cave, God wants you out. If you're wrapped up and there's an obstacle blocking your exit, 
God still wants you out. But remember, he provides the power, but there's something that we do. For Logan, every game, he goes, Dear God, it must be you. And so now, we're going to see a whole new story unfurl. And by the way, Lazarus lived a full life after he was raised from the dead. He didn't die again just to fulfill a story.